Welcome ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Constos Convos podcast. Hi folks, this is Consto from Consto's Convos. Welcome to the new installment of the podcast. This new episode features a human all the way from Canada. Introducing a very special guest today. He's probably going to make me sound even more amateur than I, I already am because he's got radio voice. His name is Jimmy Kay. And Jimmy, are you a DJ? Are you a radio presenter? What do you call? What, what is it? You know, there's, I don't know. I, I've always gone, gone with the, the term DJ, but then other people that are super pretentious, they would, were storytellers. And I've always oh, nice. hated that. I've always gotten just, I, I just had a very icky feeling with that. I don't, uh, what was, sorry, it was radio personality is, oh, is what yeah. most of people do. Or you know what, even going to the old, old uh, term host. Host is even fine too. Obviously, Jimmy, we're giving a bit of background here. Jimmy is a cousin of mine. Now, Jimmy, I haven't seen for a long time. So what, like kind of Facebook, you know, you're starting to reconnect with people. Like I was born in Canada, I moved to Scotland when I was young. Uh, we go back and forth and you bump into family and you speak to them, but you fall away from people as you get older. And with Facebook, it was good tying in with people. And I'm like, Jesus, when did Jimmy become a radio star? He's got radio <laughs> voice and everything. He sounds so good. Now, now, Brian, can we give people a little bit of history? Because I've even asked my mom this. Because uh, your dad, uh, Mike, was always part of the family. And I even asked my mom, I'm like, because being Greek, even if it was a Greek next door neighbor, uh, <laughs> yeah. even if they were Italian, they'd be like, those are our cousins. And I'm like, <laughs> what is Mike to us? And then my mom, I forget what she told me, but she said that Mike were... Uh, I'll, your... tell you, I'll tell you straight off. Okay. Your Yaya, which is your grandmother, yeah. and my grandmother were sisters. That's what it was. Okay, so so my mom was right, because I never, I made up stories in my head, and I'm like, my, my grandmother raised your dad or something, because he would always well, be there. My dad, like, I've never met my Yaya. I called your Yaya my Yaya. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And my and, dad, he moved to Canada, he was quite young, so probably, you know, just... His aunt kind of took him on board, helped him out. I believe that your dad maybe stayed with him when he first moved over, but he was quite close with your father and especially Peter, your uncle Peter and stuff. That's so, right. Again, I was having a laugh because you said you, you nailed it on the head there. Is anybody from the same village? They're related. <laughs> well, it's it's that old quote. It's like the Irish with like twin twin brothers. It's like it's the same connection. You wouldn't <laughs> know it. It's like, are you guys blood related? Oh no, absolutely not. But they're still a cousin. It's like, okay. I actually didn't even know. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know what that meant when I was young. Because you, you grew up in a family where you were taught Greek from a young age. Like all you guys spoke Greek. Me and my brothers absolutely don't speak Greek. Bar a few kind of swear word sort of thing. So I didn't even know what Yaya meant. I thought it was actually her name. And then as I get older, I'm like grandmother. And then you're asking questions and you're putting all the pieces to the puzzle together and kind of going, ah, right, okay. So yeah, that's the relation. That's the true story. Uh, I love going to your place. Uh, Jimmy used to live in uh, downtown Toronto, which so much character, these old buildings. And as you said, you, you had a lot of neighbors, like the Italians. And just, it was, it was very... It was such a cool street. I used to love going through there. The food was always dynamite, you know. Yeah, yeah, she could cook some mean Zelnik and baklava and stuff, you know. And I just, I love going down there. Your, your dad, guitar skills, he could talk shit and he could play snooker. So he, he was godly to me, you know. <laughs> what did you say? Because when, when we started this uh, Zoom chat, you said the the thing that n nobody ever wants to hear like oh my god you look exactly like you're you're a dad and i guess the the uh, joke was my dad was the uh fonz because he had that black hair uh and, and was just a character 
Oh, definitely, definitely, and just he didn't mess about, kinda. He just said stuff the way it was, and he was just funny. He's get that, he's get that comedic timing and faces. You know what I mean? He's a bit. <laughs> uh, and if you know, you know, my dad, my dad's quite a stubborn, argumentative guy, especially after a couple of drinks. And my your dad used to just wind him up perfectly and just laugh <laughs> and have us. And he always treated me, especially me and Davey and Stuart, like equals. If you know what I mean. Who's the guy, like, you were never kids. Like, he'd never say, you know, like, some of the ones, oh, leave away, let, let the old grown-ups talk and stuff. He always involved us and everything. And he, he was a bit more Canadian than the other ones because I believe your dad was the youngest as well because lots of the older ones kind of more the mother tongue. And you'd be kind of I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about here? And left her. But he always joined us in. He was just a really cool guy. And I take it that's where you got your love of music from, your old boy? Yeah, that that came down, and just to going back to my dad for a second, because uh, you you obviously know my mom, because uh, when when people would would meet my parents, my dad you would think grew up in like Calgary. My mom still has been in Canada. What if I'm forty? She's been here forty one years. Still has an accent. So it's just kind of it's kind of the 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 odd odd couple those two. It really is, and it says my yeah my yeah yeah when we were growing up, she didn't speak English. Not at all, but I think she understood us. That was the thing, because she would yeah, always was... watch. She would always watch soap operas, and it's like you don't understand the language. But I guess she just got hooked on those. That those were her her a big thing. Oh, there was just a deep connection. Me. It's just funny. You don't even need language to connect with somebody. And it says just a lovely woman. I says I just used to love going through there. Your old boy playing the guitar and stuff, and you kind of getting into the radio didn't surprise me too much because you were always kind of a step ahead of the game. I remember going to your house when I was young as well and you were into the jerky boys and stuff. And you have to mention, oh my back, God. back in those days, transatlantic stuff was happening in Canada and America, you know, before it would come out here, like movies and music and things. So when I went over there, you always a step ahead of the game with the cool sneakers or whatever, you know, bringing back. And I remember Jockey Boys, and I'm like, ah, this guy knows what's happening. So it was stuff like, so when I, when I heard that you became a disc jockey, I wasn't too surprised. But I also thought, you know, Jimmy's really landed his feet getting one of them because it's not really a job that you just apply for and get, is it? How did you start in that game? Well, that was an that was an interesting story because um, I was just kind of like a latchkey kid, just looking for a, something to to do. And I remember I was entering, um, I guess, my final year in high school, and uh, I wanted to really take a co-op a program. And I'm like, you know what? How cool would it be to work at a radio station? So I had two options. I had a huge love of music, so I was like, you know what? And this is probably 97, 98. Yep. I was like, you know what? I'd love to either work at a music store or in radio. And my my radio dreams at one point were crushed because the, the person in charge of the co-op program said that, yet yeah, normally they take a college kids with, as, as, as uh, interns. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, let's go for a plan B. And then one day uh, on the radio, I heard one of the DJs complaining that all, all my interns leave early on a Friday. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to email this guy my resume, which was very thin at the time. I think I may have only had one job. But I guess he was an early adopter of emails and loved all that stuff. So he's like, uh, when I phoned him up and I'm like, hey, this is uh, Jimmy Kalaitzis. And I just emailed you my resume and stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, man, I got it. We'll, we'll be in touch soon. And then I think a couple of weeks went by and then finally I got a phone call, come in. And I knew as soon as you got in, this is the days of the shock jock and Howard Stern. So I'm like, okay, I got to come up with a crazy story, which I did. I told them, <laughs> I told them, this is so embarrassing. Only a few people know. I told them that I think I'm, because I used to go on the dating chat lines on the phone to meet women. Uh -huh. But I think at one point, Brian, I was having phone sex with the man <laughs> that was putting on a woman's voice. And I was too <laughs> stupid to realize it because at the time I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm talking to this girl. Like I was telling all, all my buddies, yeah, she's hot. She sounds hot and blah, blah, blah. And then my one buddy's like, would you meet her yet? And I'm like, no. He's like, how long has it been? And I'm like, I don't know. It's been like two months. He's like, you're totally having phone sex with the guy. <laughs> He's like, yeah, Jimmy. In hindsight, uh, I didn't really have the, I think I had the uh, blinders on, Brian. So I probably was having take phone what you sex can with get. You take what you can get. Look, I was young at the time. <laughs>
I probably would have been 18, 18, 19 years old. Howard Stern was the guy. That was another one of the jockey boys. I remember listening, you were into Howard Stern, and that was, even to this day, he's never really, I guess people more in the UK know him from, he had a movie or Private Parts. Private Parts, 97, yeah. Obviously, we never got that over here. You'd probably just know through like movies and sort of clips and stuff, but he was massive, wasn't he? He was huge at his peak. I haven't listened to that show. I'll, I'll still watch clips occasionally, but I think he's Same. he's morphed into something different, and he's gotten a lot of grief over that, because like, what about having the strippers on and doing this and that? And Howard Stern is, what, six in his late, mid to late 60s, and it's like, oh, well, he's he's got to... Evolve too. You can only do that whole stripper thing so many times, and yeah, he, he's an older guy now. Yeah, he's actually, I believe, he's quite into his photography and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he's had quite a lot of plastic surgery as well. I seen. Yeah, but he's beyond rich, and that—that's what you do. But is but if you want to go back to his movie, the whole thing, the whole plot of his movie was this loving husband that's with his wife, and as soon as fame hits, what does he do? Goes out and marries the young blonde, right? That's what you do, isn't it? <laughs> like your your show, like not to be naive, and I, I understand. Like, have you got input? What sort of stuff you play? Have you get playlists? You need to stick by one hundred percent, or do you get to kind of bring your flavor into things? Or in terms of music, absolutely not. I think I would say probably about ninety nine percent of. Well, I'm only going to speak for for a Canada. Probably ninety nine percent of the stuff is programmed by uh, someone because in a traditional radio station you would have someone that's the music director and the the reason for that i don't know i I think the only other country that i can remember off the top of my head that has regulations on playing that country's content i think is australia i don't know what it's what it's like in in the uk so right now legally you have to play canadian music don't you so for us it's 30 yes 35 percent um, and it's been, and that, that actually came into play, I believe in like 1971, uh, just to protect homegrown artists. Now, this is something a lot of the broadcasters in the, oh my God, I'm, I'm going off and That's I apologize. Okay. Don't worry. Um, on. let me focus on, on your, your original question. Yes. I would say about 99% of shows out there that, that you listen to, all the music is uh, programmed. There are certain specialty shows, uh, shows that, that I've even worked on, where they will give you leeway where you can play a certain amount of songs. Because I know yeah. with, um, like, if you hear, like, a radio station, and I'm only talking about Canada, the all-request lunch or something, they will leave a certain amount of spots open that you can play a phone call or, or whatever. But that's just to legally uh, protect the uh, license right because you have to play 35 percent canadian i remember reading that and i thought that's either a really good thing or a really bad thing canadian music (laughs) there's a lot of big artists that obviously people will know like the superstars neil young and your brian adams and and i remember like some guys that were into bare naked ladies but shania twain your favorite as well (laughs) um I just, I'd always wondered, like, and I remember listening to some guys and he's like, you don't actually think that I like the music that I play, but that is what it is. You're not scripted or anything. No, but you have to use the common sense. There's there's certain things that we have to talk about, and that's only um, station-related stuff. Like, let's say we have a giant contest coming up. You want to plug it a couple times a show. Uh, there's uh, certain stuff, and it's but but that's to your own uh, discretion. I've I've honestly never had a boss uh, say you have to talk about this, or there's certain things they don't want you to to uh, talk about. And the only reason for that, there's no big uh, conspiracy. It's like either uh, you don't want to uh, offend anyone because I'm yeah I've I've never been that guy. Whenever I've hosted a show, yeah, have I, I crossed the line? it's it's kind of a, a, a tight role. Have I gotten complaints? Yeah, every once in a while. When I was younger, I used to do really stupid things on the radio. That was in like a smaller market. In a smaller market, if you're starting off in the radio, you can get away with a lot more things for some, well, because there's not a lot of people watching it, right? Well, now things are different because everything's 
you know, information shared so freely and quickly that they were saying, you know, you, you can go back and if somebody had a vendetta against you, they could probably go back and find an offending tweet in there or something or something you said ages ago. And I'm just, I, I take it with that in mind. You're not live. Have you got like a delay or is it pre-recorded or? No, no, it's all live. It's all live. Uh, yeah, it's, I've never had a, that's the whole thing. The chances of me saying something is, is rare that I'm going to go off the the rails. And first of all, uh, most broadcast companies in Canada, my chances are someone said shit on the radio or maybe the F word or something. That what they're more, <laughs> what, what they're more worried about, Brian, is you, you going on the air and saying, uh, the mayor of so-and-so is a child molester or like yeah. something really slanderous where the whole company can be taken down because I don't have, proof that whatever you said actually happened That's so they're they're more worried about that um i know a lot of the music that we personally play and a lot of broadcasters some of the songs are edited where if there's a swear word in it most of the time the artist and the record company will release like a clean version yeah i think that's it they want to do as much as they can to kind of broaden their base well known that I was into my hip hop when I was younger and some of the songs were just littered. But that was the thing that, you know, with sexual references and blah, blah. But it used to be funny because you would get the version that was either dubbed out, like just, you wouldn't hear anything. It'd be like, it wouldn't even be a beat, but it would just be like blank. And then you'd have the one where they maybe changed the actual lyrics as well, just to get it to do the mass appeal and stuff. Absolutely. And, and Brian, I think nowadays most artists know that it's a game and you got to do two versions of songs because even going back to something that's recognizable radio heads creep where they had a giant f-bomb in the middle they decided to go back in and re-record it with instead of the f-word very they knew that that had to be done right it's just it's just the common sense you want to sell records and you want to have a career you got to play ball sometimes right so I use kind of I use online radio station or you still is it FM AM or uh, no it's an FM it's an FM station all of uh, the company that I work for all of their uh, broadcasts all their stations are all all online now and I know that recently within the past I want to say three or four years we just we just launched i guess a couple of the broadcast companies got together and it's an app called radio player canada so all the big broadcasters except for one actually uh, are all available on there but truth be told my my favorite app to listen to stuff is still uh, tune in radio i used to use that all the time actually Oh, it's perfect. It's got every single station on the planet. You can go by the geography, by language, by whatever. Yeah. And it's just, it just makes sense. Cause at, at one point radio stations, they all launched their individual apps for each of their stations. And you can be bothered with that really. Well, people are like, I'm going to have 30 different apps to listen to my, and they're like, no, that, that no. just didn't make any sense. Right. Uh, are you quite technical and geeky when it comes to music recording and um, to a certain point, I know that when I was younger, I was really excited when I got my first computer in 1996. And Brian, I remember when I got it because it had three gigs of memory. And people wow. on the street, they were like, Jimmy got a computer with three gigs of memory. It was this oh. giant thing. He did this as my cousin Jimmy because he stayed in the same stage. But it was and it's like now you look at it and it's like we probably paid two thousand dollars for that machine and it just it's like technology has come a long way. But I used to love working on and buying, oh my god, I gotta get this uh, sound card or I gotta get this video card to like pop in. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna put more RAM in it. Not so much lately. Once you get out and start paying rent on your own, uh, <laughs> that stuff's not a big priority for you. Oh, it's funny even you just saying that. It's like I've still just because of the nature of what I do and what I like, you know, I use a desktop PC and I've got quite a good laptop and I'm starting to use that a little bit more too. But um, most people just use their phones these days. Who's really yeah. going buying desktop computers? You're going to just get a phone and that will handle just about everything you need to do. Like people say, what camera should I get? And I'm like, what are you going to shoot? Because your phone's going to probably be able to handle most of it if you're just taking pictures of your kids or the odds, you know, selfie and landscape photograph so everyone's kind of changed that way as well 
Well, that's that's the old question. Like you said, what's the best camera to have? The one you have on you at the moment. That uh, that's what counts, that. right? That's it. Exactly. Yeah, and then you're looking for things like you know, good light, good subject, and a bit of post work and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I quite like sitting at my desk and doing the stuff. I get quite geeked out. I like this probably won't sound too good, but I like all the knobs and buttons and stuff. That's that's interesting because I'm a, like I don't know what kind of phone you have because there's obviously two two camps, Apple or, or Android. Which one do you have, Brian? Well, again, I, I spoke about this to somebody else recently. You know, you're either Mac, your PC, you know, or your Samsung or like Android and your iPhone. Yeah. I, I like the Mac stuff and Apple stuff. I just kind of fell into using PC and stuff because when my first PC was quite late, I was doing photography, you know, in a dark room. It was chemicals, it was analog. And then digital photography came out my second, well, first, second year of college. So I was like, oh, I, need wow. get, I need to get a computer. But again, yeah. I didn't even know how to turn it down. I remember I used a friend of mine who was showing me and I just turned it off at a button. He's like, you need to shut it down. You can't just press the button. And I'm like, what? So <laughs> my first PC was one David bought and it was uh, Hewitt Packard or something. So I just fall into stuff. I remember when I f my first photography job, my staff job, they had millions of Nikon lenses. Uh, I actually oh, wow. was shooting Canon. So I just went with Nikon because I had access to all the stuff. So I'm, I'm not overly picky, but I think you can get into the whole grass is greener sort of thing. All these things have got pros and cons. I think if you want to get good, you just, you don't actually worry about that too much, do you? You just squeeze the best you can out of them. Um, so yeah, but, but you're almost smarter though, where you're almost like a chameleon and, and you just adapt to, to whatever you have at that time. And that's, I, that's good to be flexible, right? I wouldn't say smart. I think I stick with stuff too because it takes me a little bit longer to learn things. So once I've learned it, I'm like, I'm not letting go. I'm not starting something new. So <laughs> there is things that I'd like to chop and change. But I, again, I don't like to overly get caught up in the technical side that I'm distracting me from maybe, you know, talking into this microphone and I'm thinking, who's this? Is that working? Is that cable plugged in right? Uh, or I'm taking pictures. And like, what, what's the install? How do I change this? How do I get the sentence? I just want it to become second nature so I can really start thinking about other things. So I, I don't get too caught up in it, but I'm a geek. I says, I'm sitting here in front of it. I've, I've got the, the nice speakers. I've got the dual screens. I've got, you know, the, the mic here with the pop. Would you call that a pop screen pop? Oh, know. you mean yeah. like a windscreen? Yeah, just sort of stuff yeah. like that, the audio interface. So I just like all the technical stuff. I just like playing about with things. I think I like toys. And do you know what else I was wanting to speak to you about as well? Now, I became quite anti-video games as I get older, but I think it's more because my son loves it too much and I can't get him off it, right? But you were one of the early guys that were into the Nintendo entertainment systems and you were pretty hardcore. You had a shitload of games. I remember like video games just exploded at that time and uh, just like, you know, I was really into it and then I kind of fell away and her things have just developed and I'm like, God, from such a small niche to now these video game houses are making more money than Hollywood and stuff and it's just, oh, yeah. there's no slowing it down. That's every year you'll hear companies like Rockstar, they're like new games sold whatever, they made however many billions of dollars. It's, it's one of the most lucrative um, industries and it's one that it, it doesn't have any ceiling, right? And who no. knows what'll, what'll come along because obviously people in the record industry were like, these days will never end. And all of a sudden it's like, look, a piracy is always going to happen. But I, I'm trying to think, we, we got into video, yeah, Nintendo, we probably got the first system. And this is late in the game considering when the first Nintendo Entertainment System came out. I think it was 89, 88, 89. Something like that because we actually, we're a little bit older than you. What was the old Atari? I can't remember. Was it the 1300 or 2600 or something? 2600, yeah. I am that old guy because I can remember playing like Pong or ColecoVision. I remember our neighbor had that in the apartment block that we lived in. It was Hold on. PlayStation, that was when I kind of found music and left video games, I think. Oh, so you were a little bit late, but hold on, Brian. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember, I'm, I'm trying to think of the year. This has got to be late 80, 80s, early 90s. You, it was either you or your brother David got a, a Sega Game Gear portable system, no? What, we actually shared this because we, me and my brother are very close in age and with a Scottish mother and a Macedonian father. Hey, it's Greek. Right, okay, we'll not get into that. <laughs> they're a bit more frugal. 
So with me and my brother at the same age, we tended to get one thing. We had to share it. So a Just lot of fighting off. involved. What we had was the link, Atari Lynx. Oh, that's what it was. Yes, okay. Um, and we had the best game ever, California Games. Oh, oh yes, I remember and that. You had the BMX, which was amazing. You had the surfing. Hacky Sack was kind of hit or miss, but God. The surfing and that BMX, they were amazing. I, I still go on eBay and kind of look at these machines and get ready, you know, come hanging over, ready to buy one of these retro machines because I like, I like all the old games. I love Tetris. I love Super Mario Brothers. And I bought all these things, but they end up sitting in the drawer. I just kind of, I, I can't even sit with my, my son and play because I just get so fed up. I feel as if it's quite claustrophobic playing video games now. I don't know what it is. Yeah, and that that nostalgia factor of some of those old games kind of wears on you a little quickly too. Because I have um, Xbox with a ton of games, and I remember when I got it, I'm like, I'm going to sit down and dedicate myself. I played maybe I've had it for about a year and a half. I I I mostly use it for for Netflix and all the video and all the streaming. <laughs> <laughs> really, Jack's get an old one, and uh, we bought him the new Xbox. So he he's got a whole room he plays in. And I took the old one and put it in the, the living room. He's like, Dad, you're going to start playing the video games in there? I'm like, no, I'm no. replacing the DVD player. I can play my DVD yeah. on it. I love movies and music. I says, I just, I can understand everybody's got their thing, but I just think video games are like a time suck. Like I see Jack sometimes and he, he'd play for days. He'd be that guy that would need to go on a drip to get his, the liquids to survive because he'd forget to eat and drink. But all the kids are the same, you know, like all the, and my, my son's quite an active guy. He's our, he plays football, we take the box and he's a very healthy athletic boy, but he would play that all the time. But all the boys in this football team are the same. You hear that from the parents like, oh, I just can't get him off it. It's like a drug. Kids are going to be kids. You, you did the same thing. I did the same thing. At least he's, uh, he's uh, being active. That's the important part. And it's got to be a balance. I don't have kids, but I would assume that, no, I wouldn't want them 24-7 in front of a video game as long as you would get out there and do something. I know, he's like, Dad, but people do this as a job. They make money in them. <laughs> Not many, son. Relax. Put that thing away. That's a whole other thing that I, I discovered was the, what was it? The Fortnite World Cup that was on last year. I was so blown away that some kid won many millions of dollars. I'm like, wow, I really feel old now. Do you still play video games? Not at all, <laughs> no. Uh, you know what? That's not true. I, I mostly, and this is going to be so embarrassing because I'm 40 years old and I'm obsessed with one game that I'm pretty far on. It's on my phone. It's the, um, I hope everyone knows this reference. I know you <laughs> might. It's the uh, Trailer Park Boys Greasy Money. I know the Trailer Park Boys, but I don't know the Greasy Money part. They have a game. It's, it's on uh, iOS and, and Android. And I'm on level, oh, Jesus is really pathetic. I think I'm <laughs> 130. I've been playing this game for a couple of years, but I still have my, th there's three games actually. Trailer Park Boys, Greasy Money, um, Boom Beach, and Clash of Clans is what I've been playing for years. But I sunk money into those games, so now I have to just, it's, yeah, I don't even enjoy it anymore. I just go and collect whatever coins I have to get and just move on after that. It's pretty I'm sad. That what I think replaced video games for me is like YouTube and yeah. And going on and finding and what you you touched on there is like the nostalgia. Like I'm big on, I, my memory's terrible, so I forget stuff. And then like my brother will say something, I'm like instantly transporting. I'm like, whoa, it was a bit of my life that just came back to me. And I love looking at that. And you actually, I think it was you, it was you on Facebook, you know, I heard like you'll like something and it will pop up in the feeds and stuff if they think the algorithms that you'll like it. And you found a Facebook page that was called Retro Ontario, I believe. Oh my God! Yes, yes, that'll yeah. That's such a cool page, especially like if you know your childhood TV show and the stuff that I literally go, oh my God! But there's a couple and I'm like, do I remember that? Or is that my brother will send it like, did you see this? Because my brothers have both kind of found it through me. I'm tagging them in stuff, and I'm like, oh my God! See, the thing with Canada as well is like they produce a lot of the homegrown stuff, and and obviously the UK does as well. We've done a lot and vice versa that i remember watching shows in canada that were i didn't really know at the time but they were actually you know made in the uk and stuff but canada had like it's well known for their what's it it's like gaudy almost cool stuff that you'd put very regional and stuff and i'm like it just sent me back and i love getting reminded of these things and 
actually a little bit worried at how much I'm forgetting as I grow older, but I'm like, that page is down, am I? Where did these guys remember everything to kind of post it up? Well, that's the one thing, because you'll, I don't know if you, you'd remember uh, Degrassi Junior High. Can I know. Just interrupt, sorry. Yeah, go, 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 go. You might say this, so I might be stealing your thunder, okay? So I, I apologize in advance, but. That's fine. Jimmy is going to talk about a show called Degrassi Junior High, right? And it was on for so long that I believed that they had so many spin-off shows and, you know, different generations. You probably won't know of this show unless you lived in Canada, but you probably will know, probably, I believe, the biggest rap star in the world currently, or maybe a couple of years ago, I can't really keep up, was a man called Drake. And I believe he made his start on that show, didn't he? He did. And I forget what it was called because, like you said, there was so many uh, versions of it. Degrassi Junior High, Degrassi High, Degrassi yeah. Next Generation. And uh, Drake played, I, I, funny enough, I think he played uh, a character named Jimmy who was in a wheelchair. Oh, Jimmy's um, are cool. <laughs> that one was, was a little bit cooler. But then also... Um, it was the director, Kevin Smith, from Clerks, Mallrats, and all those movies. Yep. He, he, he also, wherever he grew up, I, I guess some of the uh, Canadian TV stations would bleed in. He, he, I think he made a cameo on one of the shows or was in, involved in, in one of those shows. So he, he tried to open it up to, to Americans, uh, which was interesting. Who knew that Kevin Smith would have been a f fan of this Team melodrama that was out of Canada, yeah, out of all just, places. What are you saying? I, I didn't actually watch all the time, but because uh, when I think I was young, like we, like that's the big laugh. Like, whoa, when I was young, my parents done this, and video games were kind of you got up early in the morning to do it because when your parents were kicking about, like it would just go off. Like my parents would tolerate, you know, because they were going to watch TV or we had to do something. So it was always like you get up early. I remember when the Nintendo first came out, and I'm like, Mum, I need to get this, and she's like, No. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I remember in the apartment block that we lived in, there was a boy that stayed three levels down below us. And he got one. So guess who was knocking on his door every day before school <laughs> until his mum obviously says, tell that boy to stop knocking on my door and coming in all the time. I was just <laughs> obsessed with it. And uh, yeah, just different days. And when it came to TV shows, you just get that little slot that you could kind of watch it. Because I remember, like, obviously, even my older brother, I'd wanted to watch G.I. Joe, and he's like, nah, we're watching Cheers. And I'm like, I don't want to watch guys drinking a bar. It sucks. I want to watch, you know, ninjas and stuff. <laughs> After a quick beating, you go, like, oh, just leave, leave Cheers on. That's funny. Don't hit, don't hit me anymore. Well, you you were a smart little kid if you, you found a, a friend in the neighborhood that, that you can go and get your... Uh, video game fix from i wasn't that that uh, creative well i remember i says where that was where we lived in mississauga it was in a an apartment building that i believe it was like i don't know what you call it it's like we call it kind of like social housing where they kind of help people it's maybe like people that were immigrants or people with uh, single parent families and stuff so same thing just, here well no it was it was in mississauga but i just don't know what you actually call that sort of thing but it was just packed with kids. So we had kids from all different backgrounds and we all used to play like hockey around the back, baseball around the front, wrestling around the side, right on the 401. It was just, it was, it was bliss growing up with all these kids and just getting out there and playing all these games. Obviously, I, I feel like now kids with parents, like we're, we're all scared. We don't let them out of sight and stuff. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Now, just to change the subjects, how you're in, what is it? Clydebank? Claybank is just outside Glasgow. You know Glasgow? Yeah. Well, we you won't remember this. I do. We we had a conversation because one of my favorite I movies. I do remember. Before I can cut you off. Yes. yes. Train spotting. Because <laughs> I remember um, going over and Jimmy says, I remember asking a couple of questions and you're like, do you live in Edinburgh? And yeah, like, that, that oh. was the big thing. And I'm like, why? <laughs> you're like, train spotting. And I'm like, that's funny. That movie was mainly filmed in Glasgow. That's that's right because we also had a conversation and this would have been I want to say 2002 because you, you, it was either you or your brother David told me don't ask me why I remember stupid things <laughs> but you said yeah that club that, that they went to the vol volcano I think it was Correct. they shut it down a couple of years ago and I'm like wow that's so cool yeah that well that was kind of well known like it was a bit before my time I wasn't really a nightclub person but I used to get the bus 
by there quite a lot. I can't remember why we used to go by. Maybe going to football games or something. But yeah. used to see that all the time because it, it was quite iconic. Because you used to have the volcano on letters sitting on top, almost like a Hollywood sign on top of the building. Oh, that's funny. Actually, but speaking with guys that are a bit older and you get known, it was very known. It had a real scene to it and it just get knocked down and stuff. But yeah, basically, you know, actually the more recent sequel, T2, Trainspotting 2. Did you watch that? That was Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And it was, it was, it, what's the pub called in it? Is something, is it Shun's, uh, something Leith, I think, or something. But that was I actually, forget. that's in Clay Bank, that pub. Oh, is it? Yeah. They oh, that. I didn't know. They Wait. that locally. Hold on a second. Which pub was it? That pub that what was it? Sick boy was at that he meets everybody. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the shithole ones. I don't believe they shot the internals, but the external shots were of this pub that's uh, not far from my house. Oh, that's funny. You could literally okay. get there in five minutes in the car or less, and it's just in a bit where they tore down the old school and stuff. So it kind of looks run down and stuff. Um, I I can't even tell you if it's open. I don't go out drinking much these days, but it's still it's still there. Well, that movie, I'm sure, did something. Now, Train Spotting, I think, came out in 97, and I'd seen it in the theaters literally four or five times. I wasn't, yeah, like, I'm not, a, I'm not a big drug guy or anything. I yes, never, you like, are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was just, it was so, so, va- it was so drastically different that I went out and started reading everything by Irving Welsh, uh, and started getting into his books, which, as a Canadian reading Difficult, it, yeah, because even it's like it, it takes you a couple of chapters to like, okay, what is what is he trying to say here? Because he writes it in the the local in whatever, language. yeah, in, in whatever speak it is. But he's such a because because he's had a couple other books that were adapted into movies. I think the other one was The Acid House, which was actually. I think several different stories. This is a movie I haven't yeah, that, seen in years. Yeah, that's crazy. Actually, we, we still talk about that. That's nerd. Lots of scenes of that are the stuff that we repeat because it has become, I'm not getting into too much because it is quite X-rated and stuff. But um, Oh, yeah. Orphan Welsh was like a part of this new breed of writers. Like I'd never seen that written that way. And I actually struggled because the people from Edinburgh kind of say different things like Lakesy. Like, like, what is that? The likes of... You know, the likes oh. of thing, they, and, oh. but but they actually use it differently in things and just small. And I remember I read it, my friend had the book, and every time you just go down there, he's just, just kind of gobble up and reading about it. Someone, I'm like, what the hell is he kind of saying? But I think that was a time when Britain was kind of there was a lot of good music, like a resurgence of British music and you know, film. Like, um, is it Danny Boyle, the director? He he went on to do some really good stuff as well. He's a very talented guy. You had obviously. Ewan McGregor became an international guy. Um, even the lesser known guys, I think Sick Boy actually was married to Angelina Jolie at some point. You know, you know what? I think you're right. And um, Which we considered like the best looking woman in the world at that time. Uh, Kevin McKidd was on a show that my wife watches some US hospital drama. But yeah, lots of these guys went on to have big careers. That was a real big thing. And obviously, Irvin Welsh, I think he lives in America now. Irving Welsh, he's, uh, uh, I don't know, I follow him on Twitter. I think Chicago he lives or something. Is it? He's such a, and, and, and he makes uh, cameos in both of the uh, train spotting movies too. Yeah, he does. He plays a junkie, doesn't he, in the first one? <laughs> He just plays this piece of garbage character that's trying to trying to fence stolen goods or something to uh, what was his name to to a Begbie, who yeah, is right. the greatest character, just a psychopath. Well, it's funny just, because in the book, he's he's made her that he's a big, strong kind of crazy guy. He's like got to always get the craziness. He's got the size and loves fighting. And then they chose Robert Carlyle, who's quite a small guy. You know, like physically, you would not think of uh, intimidating, but that movie, he's just absolutely brilliant. And he's got, again, that stuff that we still say if we're having a laugh, like, you know, and he throws the glass behind him and stuff, and they're like, well, no cunt leaves here till we found out who flung that glass. <laughs> <laughs> well, but there's, there's, a, Brian, there's one scene when he tells that story about playing pool um, with, uh, sorry, he, 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 he tells us, no, Ewan McGregor, uh, no, sorry, it was it was a Tommy tells a story of uh, playing pool with with uh, Begby and how he's just hung over and he can't <laughs> sink a shot and Tommy's just trying to lose a game and he flicks it, and doesn't then, he? <laughs> yeah, he he loses it on some guy that opens up a bag of chips like a psychopath. 
but then later on in in the movie you can see um begbie uh talking to that that woman at that club at the uh volcano and you can tell that he's telling her the same story but from his point of view and i yeah. thought that was so brilliant because obviously he's gonna throw in a bunch of lies and make himself look like a hero at the end of the day but i just thought Dynamite. that was I think that that came all together. You had a guy like Oven Welsh who could write an amazing book. You had, you know, Danny Boyle. They had, like, even the soundtrack is wicked. Like, he brought back, like, the Stooges and Iggy Pop sort of stuff. Like, Perfect Day went to, I'm sure, I think they've done a charity thing, but that went to, like, number one in Britain. It's just, like, everything came together. That's why, like, a guy like you in Canada can kind of get into this movie that would probably only be a local thing because, again, accents and stuff, but... (laughs) I think like Johnny Johnny Lee Miller, he's he's an English guy, so he puts on a really good Scottish accent. Ewan McGregor's quite a well-to-do guy. Like he's not from Glasgow, he's from like a nice place. Just it all came together and created like a wicked movie. I didn't actually like the sequel too much, but I no, I was expecting too much maybe. The the only criticism I have for a Train Spotting too was it followed a lot of these similar beats to the first movie. Now you know the script was good just because Ewan McGregor is Hollywood royalty. And if he thinks something's going to be bad, he's not going to risk his uh, career. So for, for, for him to come back, I'm like, Danny Boyle as well. Like he's making like a, I think, did he win an Oscar for Slumdog Millionaire? Cause what a movie that was, but he done, you know what else we watched recently that Danny Boyle done? Have you ever seen 127 hours? James Franco, Mm. where he kind of gets caught. He's like a, what do you call these? Like an adventurous guy that goes, he likes all the cycling and jumping about the canyon oh, and stuff. Yeah, no, I've I've heard of that movie. That's based on a true story. Yeah, and you watch that back. Danny Boyle was so ahead of his time because he's showing like James Franco. He's doing like selfies. He's talking into the microphone. The, sorry, the video camera. He's taking pictures. Even the way the picture is, it's very saturated. It's very like Instagram-y looking, how people kind of, and you look at the date and you're like, wow. He kind of, oh. I don't know if he's seen it happen or maybe influence or something, but like it's, you know, everybody now, especially in Scotland stuff, everybody likes going out on the bikes. It's all about getting into nature and doing selfies and recording it and putting it out there. And he was doing all that sort of stuff in that movie. Now, do you know uh, Danny Boyle's history? Is he, I don't know if you, you, yeah, you mentioned he's, it. He's from Manchester. And um, I think like Martin Scorsese, he grew up in quite a religious household. And both of them oh. were destined to become priests or thought they were going to become priests. And then obviously uh, life opens up to you and you realize that that's maybe not your destiny. But um, that's what he's kind of done. The Scottish connection was his producer, I think it was McDonald or something. Okay. I remember his name, but he's a Scottish guy, and I think they worked well together. But I don't know if that guy went down a different route. But um, yeah, I really like Danny Boyle stuff. I said Slumdog Millionaire was a fantastic movie. I really liked 127 Hours, and there's probably a bunch of other ones I can't even think of. Yes, because Slumdog, I think I uh, I saw it, and it would have been 2008, 2009. I because I remember that year because it was Slumdog Millionaire. I thought it was such a brilliant movie it yeah. was that and then the aronofsky um the the wrestler which was the uh, comeback for um, yeah. mickey, uh, rourke. mickey rourke which you then you've seen that that's such a great movie too amazing he's getting a face for that one it made me think again we go back to when it's in canada you know we used to wrestle outside like we were big inside you know if iron sheik and hulk hogan that was that kind yeah. of we were into it and then you fall away and you're like, oh, wrestling, it's all fake and it's all this and that. But especially at the grassroots level and you're seeing you're like, like, wrestling will F you up. You know what I mean? It's, it's a hard-going game. It's, it's, it's fake. Uh, professional wrestling's fake and amateur wrestling's real. But like, <laughs> that, that movie shows you like that. Mickey Rook was amazing in that. Mickey Rook is a very good actor. It's just hard to kind of take him seriously now because of what, you know, physically what he's kind of became. Like, I think he just really hated that pretty boy tag and, I think he wanted to be a street tough and he gets caught in that sort of thing and going back to boxing and when you're too old is probably not the best, wisest decision, you know, but... You you forget, because even going back, one of my favourite movies from uh, Mickey Rourke is um, uh, Pulp of Greenwich Village. I don't know if you, you've ever seen it. It's such a great movie. I've seen it like a hundred times and then... I've you read see about it. that recently and I just... Oh, I put it on my to-watch list because I've never actually seen it. It's so good. It's It's... 
him and Eric Roberts. And I remember years ago, uh, somebody told me, "What?" I'm like, what is this movie? And then I put it on and I'm like, okay, kind of liked it. And then I just slowly f fell in love with it. And this, this was probably before his uh, comeback with uh, The uh, Wrestler, which was a, an yeah, interesting must movie. Yeah. Must have been because he was definitely off the radar. He was a type of guy, I think he was only famous for pictures when he was younger and like recent ones. Um, well, he was, a, he was a huge leading man for a while. And then, yeah, like what's said, the other one set in New Orleans with Robert De Niro? He, he played like Lucifer. Angel Heart. Angel Heart. So he was in stuff like that, you know, and another one with Kim Basinger and he's, they're emptying the fridge and banging each other. I can't even remember, but uh, he was the heart, heartthrob. But he didn't want typecast that way. In fact, I also read, again, to Charles Bukowski's books, Mickey Rook played one of Charles's aliases, you know, one of these drinking guys, Chinaski, I think. Barfly. Yes. Yeah, but that's I, if I remember right, that Charles has also wrote another book about how these movies are made. It's kind of vaguely put to you that there's a Hollywood guy, you know, an alias, but he's the biggest pretentious asshole, and I believe that's Mickey Rook. Don't don't assume anybody not libelous, but I believe <laughs> I believe it's to do with that. But I could believe it because he's very deep into his craft, doesn't he? And these guys, yeah, and makes things difficult for the directors and writers, can't they? That's the thing. Going back to these talented people, I don't know if it's talent, maybe a little bit of mental illness, just because these guys are are so talented. Like you, you look at actors, like even um, Jesus Christ, I'm forgetting uh, Brando who was a yeah. genius but was just very difficult to work with and just a just and it's like okay what is this is this 50 percent talent 50 percent mental illness or is it all just these guys are out of their minds yeah, i don't know you, you think about it jimmy right like you work like we was i was speaking to my friend like he he's a screenwriter and you know he's talking about like what he's got like his baby and then once everybody gets it they need to have their part and you get rewritten people will get their input so if you're working with a team the least thing you kind of want is a control freak now these actors are very into it and they obviously believe that it needs to be done this way and if you get somebody saying oh do this way and that there's going to be friction isn't there so yeah the bigger you get the more control you get there's movies that are made in the back of brando's name and stuff that that's where they're going to get the money to make these movies. I like reading about all that stuff. You know what? I'm going to play devil's advocate. You don't hear a lot of bad stories of like a Tom Hanks and a Tom Hanks is Hollywood royalty. Well, I think he's the exception because he's just lasting yeah. so long, hasn't he? Like I said that Tom Cruise is obviously bonkers, but I think all the guys oh, yeah. talk about him that her professionally is like he does his stunts. He immerses himself. He keeps fit. You just, you know, it's like everybody's different. There's some people who like to booze. There's some people who go running every day to keep fit. And, you know, you just get your rebels and you get your company men. Tom Hanks is out there. He's had such a long, long uh, career. Done some amazing stuff like Forrest Gump. What a movie, man. Oh, and just a, a, a beloved guy. And I know around our office, whenever the uh, Me Too movement came out <laughs> and just all this really creak. And we're like, oh, my God, just please, not Tom Hanks. Well, don't he, don't let Tom Hanks get caught up into something weird where with women and who knows what. And it's like, no, he's pretty squeaky clean. He is, but he disappointed me a little bit. Not thing you know, like with the the Oscars with Ricky Gervais. You know, he was, oh. he was doing that stuff, but he, it was the faces just pulling as if, oh, you shouldn't be saying that sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh, God, I hate shit like that. He was like, Ricky was being really funny. I, I felt he was kind of. A bit condescending to him, but again, that doesn't matter. But just it was something I seen. I'm like, why is he doing that? And look, if if the worst thing we can say about Tom Hanks is exactly. he's a terrible, yes, yes, he's he's a terrible audience member. <laughs> you can give. Him I that. could live with that. There's just some guys that will last forever, and some stars, you know, shine for a long time. Some burn out quick, and yeah, I don't know. Like it's just like Mickey Rourke could probably only play a certain amount of roles. Like in Sin City, he can play that crazy messed up bad guy or good guy you can't really tell but and then the wrestler he needs to play like a beat up journeyman wrestler like guy he can do that he's not going to be doing certain other things anymore but look at a guy like sylvester stallone like has he ever done anything wrong um i've heard that look i don't know but he's another guy that's what 90 years old and still he looks starring amazing like his hair's amazing i'm like how good is that? he's like he's still ripped he's a oh yeah yeah 
and he writes a lot of stuff like we uh, were laughing because when we were growing up, it was it was like um, Back to the Future was yeah. like Jaws. I don't know what was it, Jaws fourteen or something that was getting advertised <laughs> because like they just not doing this. But your man Sylvester Stallone's kind of done that with the the Rambo's and stuff, and it, like a geriatric Rocky, you're just like there's nothing worse but there's nothing better when you actually watch it you're like oh, i'm crying he's got me emotional he's got me i'm doing push-ups after it man he's in the 60s he's just and he writes all this stuff he wrote the first blood franchise and rocky rocky to, that's to, right to do either of them individually with rocky into hollywood royalty but he's done that himself and just even the expendables you know making fun of you know old guys coming back he's just i love i love sylvester Big Arnie is still a funny guy. Like I like him on social media, but his movies have not really been happening recently. Oh yeah, yeah. He's kind of fallen off because I remember him in the nineties. Like he could do no wrong in the eighties and nineties. Every movie he made, I, I had to see because I'd love it. But now I'm like, I remember my wife seen. She's like, "Oh look, there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie on Netflix," and I'm like, "Cost? I've never heard of it. It's going to be shit." <laughs> But even some of Schwarzenegger's uh, 80s bad movies, like The Running Man, if I mean, it... That's not a bad movie. You're kidding me on? It's amazing. No, look, if it's on TV, if it's in the middle, I got to sit down and watch it until it's done. <laughs> I love that movie. I spoke uh, in a podcast previous to this with Dom, a friend of mine. Yeah. And that's what I brought up. That, do you know who wrote Running Man? No. He wrote it as, I believe, Richard Bachman. Don't quote me on that, but it's definitely written as an alias. Stephen King wrote Running Man. Oh, that's right. Richard Bachman was his. Yes, he yes. would. I didn't know that. Yeah, he wrote that. And again, the, terrible, terrible lines, you know, like, uh, it's, it's escaped me or that I'll be back, but like the Mr. Freeze and stuff, or you got to chill and all that. Mr. Yeah, those really corny, terrible movies. But it was lines. great. Even that guy, like the Price is Right guy, you know, played Richard with, Dawson. Yeah. He's an Englishman. I didn't know that. You grew up. I just, I grew up in a house. My mom spoke, spoke with a Scottish accent. I thought she spoke Canadian. I didn't, I didn't. Even your mom, I could hear a little bit. It wasn't until Jimmy has this segment on, I believe it was an old, another station that you worked for that you used to bring your, your mom on. Every Friday. Show. Wow. That is a thick <laughs> accent that I didn't really realize when I was younger. Yeah, I, I used to bring my mom, it was called What Would Jimmy's Mom Do? And I would just ask her, ask her love advice, relationship, or, or just whatever was uh, big at the time. She loved doing it, and she was such a good sport, and people oh. loved to hear, hear her yeah. accent. The joys of the internet, like, that was when I, I first uh, touched base with you and, like, uh, reconnected, sorry, on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, like, where can I find your stuff? And you sent me, and I found the website, and I found that, and I was just like, oh, that's amazing. That's so weird. That I don't remember, but I remember a conversation we had like 25 years ago. I don't, I don't get it. Memory. I, I don't think it's like a lot of what you can remember. It, yeah. It, it can, it, certain things can trigger for me. Like sometimes a smell can just take me right back like 20 years, like a split second. And then like my brother's really good for remembering stuff like that. Retro Canada keeps on sending me stuff. Well, and I'm like, I don't remember that, Davey. He's like, no, that's not. <laughs> he, he's always good for bringing stuff back. I just kind of have mad random thoughts. Going to yours, it was always about music, video games, and, you know, wicked food. And then, you know, people coming around. And I like that. Like, that was downtown Toronto. Like, what did you call that area? The the area that we specifically grew up in was East York. And I went back maybe a couple of years ago. And even the, the Danforth there, which was a very heavily Greek populated with, like, yep. a lot of mom and mom and pop stores it's completely changed it's it's maybe it's because i'm old now and i just am that that get off my lawn guy but there's <laughs> yeah. there's like a tim hortons which is a coffee franchise here there's a, a kentucky fried chicken a mcdonald's and it just lost a lot of that charm where you could get authentic yeah. food from the people that actually owned it and grew up there and that's probably that's just a universal thing i don't care if you're in canada or wherever it's like no yeah, i so want they'll become the same you just said like tim hortons like it's like five years ago nobody in scotland would have really known that unless they had family in canada or something yeah they've, they've opened up a couple here recently Again, really? It's, it's, yeah, but it's not quite the same. But even like I go back, 
and I'm the same as you. It's like everywhere's just becoming the same. And even as silly as it sounds, and I'm sure my age, like I remember, like we didn't get a lot of takeaway fast food because obviously my dad like cooked a lot and my mum cooked a lot, and that's just what you done. But we'd go to certain places. Like I remember Kentucky Fried Chicken had. It was much more like it felt more home cooked. Like now I've had it before, and I'm like, it's just it seems super processed, and you can taste the chemicals. It's very bland compared. I just. Like, I'd love to go back and see what the first McDonald's was like in California when they served up these hamburgers that were so good that they had to sell everywhere. Because I bet it tastes nothing the way they do it in I bet it tasted like proper food. Again, as you say, like you could go down to Danf- Danforth in Toronto or you can go somewhere in Glasgow and you're like, that's the same, you know, that there's a Kentucky Fried Chicken, there's a McDonald's. A Subway and all the same Starbucks. stuff. And it's yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, okay. Rather than uh, working in a place where... The kids worked and there was a lot of love and they really appreciated the, the workers. So you had a guy that was experienced and could handle. Now you, like it's when you go into a fast food place, it's like some kid that doesn't want to be there. I would not go to these places. Like, like my kids like a McDonald's. They're going for a Mickey D's. So I take them. I'm not going to be one of the guys. I'm, I don't like it. You're not going. No, and, and I'll, I'll always, I'd much rather, especially now what's going on with the world. I've just learned to like, okay, I'm going to go and do shopping for myself, make myself a meal. I'm not the greatest cook, but all YouTube uh, recipe for whatever. And it's like, okay, well, let me give it a shot. And I'm like, this is not bad at all. No, it's quite therapeutic. And I'm a bit yeah. disappointed you haven't kept your yaya's recipes going. She took them to the grave with oh, her. Oh, what a woman. Swear to God. See that baklava, man? I didn't even know the name because I, I was young and obviously I didn't know the names of stuff. You just eat it and like, oh, it's tasty. And I remember going, Dad, what was that stuff that you ate? And he's like, camel shit. <laughs> and that was like camel shit for years. And then I found out it was called you know, halva years later. And I'm like, Oh, halva. Yeah. Because oh, you can okay. actually buy it. And again, I don't want to get into a fight with you, Jimmy. But the stuff that I did buy out of Aldi is called Macedonian halva. Okay. That's funny. Look, I, I got to tell you, because your dad and my father share the same thing, and people have to understand, I don't know if it's still a thing, because I don't follow it, that Macedonia is Greece. I don't know, because I was born in Canada, and I, I remember, Brian, I was, a, I was a young kid, and I went to Greece, was playing Canada in some basketball game in uh, Toronto, and like I said, I was young and I saw these two guys fighting over that exact same conversation. Yeah. One of the, one of the guys went down and was being kicked in the face. And I'm like, all right, I'm not going to ever talk. It was just the most violent thing I've ever seen. It's a very that. touchy thing. And I've spoke with like, uh, especially my older brothers, friends who in turn are my friends, you know, and other family members. And they've broke it down really better because I can read so much online, but there's a lot of conflicting stories like lands and languages, like people are saying this and that, but like some of these guys obviously have get sat down more with their parents and explained to them and kind of makes sense to me. And, and I can see both ways because as what one of my cousins says is like, listen, yeah, they're Macedonians, but the ancient Macedonians are also Greeks. You know, it's Greek land and they're just a different tribe within the Greeks and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, and a friend of ours, a friend of my family who's very clued up on it as well. He just says, listen, it caused a lot of problems for our fathers and our mothers and our grandparents back home. He says, my dad doesn't really want that here in Canada. He wanted to come here to get away from it, start a new life. I don't want to give you that baggage on top of it. Just go out. You're Canadian. Be proud of your heritage, you know, but just don't deal with that stuff and didn't actually get into it too much because he doesn't want to pass on the burden of, you know, the bigotry and the, and the hatred that goes on with these people. I'm just more, I like reading. Uh, I, I like getting, even saying it, I kind of like winding you up there saying it because I know <laughs> there's certain guys that like, we're Greek or we're Macedonian, so I'll do vice versa. And uh, I like to mess with people that way. But mate, I could speak to you forever. So please, would you come back on and we can do more of these together? Because we've went a little bit over what I usually allocate, which I'm fine Sorry. with. Sorry. No, don't apologize. It's been amazing talking to you, but I think we've got enough uh, topics, you know, to speak on, to do a, a few more of these, I think. Absolutely. You let me know, and I, and I love the show, and your, your podcast is the only international podcast 
that I've heard uh, Mississauga and, and Scarborough mentioned in, by the way. Yes, well, <laughs> it's amazing that, you know, I, I envisioned this kind of doing it in person with people and setting up and stuff, but with this Zoom, the, the audio is not the greatest, but it's great connecting with people. You know, I'm sitting here on Claybank, you're sitting in Ontario there, you know, we've got uh, the second biggest ocean in between us and we'll still be able to connect. I can see your lovely, I can see your lovely face, but you can't yeah. see my face because I'm gonna get a webcam at the moment. But I'll, I'll try and get that sorted for next time so you can see my not so handsome face. Okay. Oh, I doubt that, but yes, absolutely. I can't wait to to chat again. Whenever you want, I'm I'm open. Good man, Jimmy. I really appreciate it, mate. I'm signing off, so I'm gonna say good day to you, sir. Good day what to a, you too, and it was a pleasure speaking to you after what twenty years now. Jeez, it's well, a long time. You are getting old, mate. So. I'll speak to you soon, Jimmy, okay? Absolutely. Brian, let me know if you uh, need anything, okay? Okay, thanks again, mate. Speak soon. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.